Lord, we just settle our hearts. We just breathe you in. We focus on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We release all distractions, all the things vying for our attention, and we lay them down. We just release everything and anything to you. We consecrate this time to you. Allow us to hear all that you would want us to hear. Let our hearts be open to be transformed by you. Sunny in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you've got. There's honey in the rock. Praying for a miracle, thirsty for the living well. Satisfied sweetness at the mercy seat. Now I've tasted it's not hard to see, only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where I go. Honey in the rock Freedom where the spirit is Bounty in the wilderness Only you can satisfy There's honey in the rock Water in the stone Manna on the ground No matter where I go I don't need to worry now that I know Everything I need you've got There's honey in the rock Purpose in your plan Power in your blood Healing in your hands Started flowing when you said that it's done Everything you did's enough There's honey in the rock There's honey in the rock there's honey in the rock, there's honey in the rock. Keep looking, keep finding, you keep giving, keep providing. I have all that I need, you have all that I need. I keep praying, you keep moving, I keep praising. You keep proving I have all that I need. You have all that I need. I have all that I need. You have all that I need. Yeah. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where. 
Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need it. Because Jack and Kay want to hear it. They, yeah. And the boys helped out? Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, I know this last week I've been a lot more physically active than I normally am, and I tell you it's a real blessing when God gives you that energy and strength to be able to do what you need to do. Get outside and move around. Yeah. It's good weather. Thank yeah. the Lord for the beautiful weather. Yeah. For all of us to have it. Is it real spring or is it fake spring? Is it real spring, Mike, or is it fake spring? He's the real thing. He's the real thing? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dana said to me, she said, uh, I like this Oklahoma weather. This or no, this I like this Oklahoma winter. I'd take this winter any year he wants to give it to us. <laughs> this is a good one. And we had a week and a half winter and that's about it really. Exactly. Real Report from the kids. He's a good, good father. I just thank him. You know, we're so blessed. He's that microphone. So blessed. Is it good? Yeah, he's a son. Hello. I don't need it. Is that what your son's doing? (laughs) But I do want to thank God for his love and his mercy upon all of us, like I said, for this. The unity that we're seeing, we had the opportunity to go and help people this week and just to see people still show up, Sean, is amazing. But when God is in it, things take place, don't they? Where were they showing up? Well, we had the opportunity to go help a brother, David Reeder and Vicki Reeder. David needs a lot of prayer. He's got testicle cancer and uh, he needs a lot of prayer but we got to put a roof on his house there was about I don't know 12 or 14 men showed up Friday and it got done awesome I mean Amish barn building love it (laughs) (laughs) that old Amish barn building you know it it is but it it takes a village no It it does it takes it takes unity the love of God for each other and God is doing great and mighty things all around us if we just take the time to look and see. Keep from getting so busy and I'm preaching to the choir, but you know, just back off and and be still for a moment and realize what God is doing in your life. My daughter in law had an episode Thursday night. She thought she might be having a heart attack, but it was come to find out my son took her to the hospital and it is a uh, inflammation that builds in her chest. Do they claim it is due from that booster shot? And uh, but God, she came home that night. They got home about two o'clock Friday morning, and all is good. She's doing great. 
God is just so good to us. Every moment of every day. I've, you know, I'm so honored, so blessed to get to work on these ranches and, and see new life born. And I'm often reminded of what Job said. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord, Sean. I mean, he's good, people. <laughs> I cannot tell you how God, how good God is. Because our brains, our, we can't it. We really can't. our mind just can't comprehend it. And I love God's word and how John told us, you know, he said, one of my favorite is, eyes has not seen, nor ears heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for his children. We are blessed. We are. We are blessed. I don't care what state this world is in. God's got that all right there in his hands. We were taught it from the time I was a baby. He got the whole world in his hands. And the only time it gets messed up is when Ronnie tries to put it in his hand. So, so leave it to him. That's right. Praise God for all his goodness. My wife needs uh, needs some prayer this week. Okay. She's uh, she's up, upset, but she got found out that uh, her cataract surgery is being being on hold because she found out that they have a she has a hole in the back of her retina. Oh, and so she's got to go see a retina specialist in Tulsa to see if they want to fix it or if they could just go ahead and have the in that sheath that's behind her, the webbing. Is that where the all the in the back of the I okay, is that's where my the sister has that same thing. And so there's just a big. So is it a macular degeneration? Kind of. Okay. Just question. There's a just hole in the macule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So okay. she's a little worried about that. What's your wife's name again, sir? Linda. Linda. Thank you. I will remember that one day, really. I try my best. I'm just not that good at names. I, I try. It's been a struggle for me my whole yeah. life. I just take a minute to pray. But there's another yeah. one I do have a praise report on yeah, me. Yeah. I had some side effects that were affecting me, and I tried to affect to fix it with another pill that caused more side effects. We love our medicine. And it was causing me all kinds of stomach problems, and I wasn't eating. I ate nothing for most of the week. And then one of my teachers came in and she needed some help. And she's a very good Christian lady. And she, uh, she said, John, are you okay? Well, yeah. Yes. And she first says, oh, you're not sick, are you? I go, no, 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 this is side effects. And I was like, okay. And 
as I started fixing her problem, I was, it was like, hmm, I'm feeling better. Like this, this, the feeling of ickiness and sick and just, just in my intestines and small intestines just disappeared. And so, like, you know, I didn't think about it at first because she didn't say she prayed. And so about an hour and a half later, I came back to her because she was alone in her classroom, office. And I said, did you pray for me? And I told her, you know, what happened? And she goes, yes, I did. <laughs> and so we had a good little time, a little prayer. So, you know. That's awesome. That's a good report. Yeah. That is a very, very good report. That's something, you know, the veil is getting thinner. And so it's, it's we're reaching out to people and touching them in ways that we think, oh, well, that's all I got in me today, but it's enough. You know, you just, I don't understand that fully. I really don't. I make that statement often about the veil getting thinner, but it's such a concept of out there to here. It's such a concept of the fact that we live in two kingdoms. You know, at any given time, we're sitting at the right hand of the Father with, with Christ, and yet we're still sitting right here. Two places, and that's a reality. That's not fictitious. That's not science fiction. That's not conceptual thinking. That is reality. But how do we actually conceive of that or implement that? That's kind of what I'm talking on today. It, how do you? Who knows? Who knows? It's just uh, so. That's really cool. I really like that. Yeah, my neighbor had a had a situation too. Did you stop taking it? Yeah, I stopped oh, it. Yeah. yeah, they had me on six medicines. I'm down to two. And my doctor just goes, but I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'll do it holistically or I'll do it some other way, but I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be on 15 pills when I'm 80 years old. It's not happening. So, 14 either. <laughs> I added up one time how many um, pills I'm taking and divided by four, four yep. three weeks and then divide by 12 and... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Isn't that ludicrous? It's a money making scheme, I tell you. They got it going on. They know what they're doing. <coughs> anyway, um, thank you, John. My, uh, my neighbor came to me a while ago, a Christian lady, and uh, I've struck up a very good friendship with her, her husband. And she came, oh, this is probably three, four months ago. She said, uh, I'm a little concerned, and I said, well, what about? She said, well, because both her and her husband, they don't have any criminal record, they don't have any, they're not bad people, they're not, but they live a little rough, and they live a little dirty, and they're, but they're wonderful people, and, and, uh, and I love them to bits, I do, and unfortunately, they undergo a lot of judgment from people because of their lifestyle, but it's not warranted, it just isn't. You know, and um, Crystal had come to me and she said something along the lines. She was very concerned about Sean. Her husband's name was Sean as well. And uh, she was talking about, you know, just being concerned with the, this traffic issue that he had been arrested for three times. What happened was he got arrested once for a traffic issue, then it got taken to a different court and filed in a different court. This is my understanding. I could have this wrong. Long story short, it got muddled up so that it was actually going through the entire system of the state from two different sources, is what it sounds like. And so we get cleared over here, you get arrested over here. 
and they'd clear it over here, and something would come back, and it would, it was a traffic offense. That's all it was, it was a traffic offense. Well, on that same day that that happened, his wife also had been arrested for that traffic offense and charged as well. I know it's very strange, but they showed me everything. I mean, it's legit. It's, it's incredibly strange. Um, so long story short, she got arrested for failure to comply, uh, just recently, uh, failure to comply uh, with the court order and failure to pay. Uh, so they made payment arrangements. They ran into a tough point where they were a little financially hurting. I asked if I could share this. And um, they had a hard time with it, but they were trying to make it work. Um, they stopped Crystal and Sean and arrested Crystal. Put her in jail for two weeks plus a couple days. Transported her all across the state into different facilities. All over a traffic violation, failure to comply. Now, I'm not going to talk about the justice or the injustice of that. I mean, I think it's pretty unjust when it's a, it's a victimless crime and you're taking a mother away from her kids for that period of time over a failure to comply. I understand the laws of the law. I understand that. But all this happened, and she finally got out last week. So yesterday, I met with her, and I said, how was it? She said, you know, it wasn't good. There was a whole bunch of horrible things that I could talk about. She told me a couple. She said, but I'm not going to. She said, the majority of the time, for about a week and a half, I was with two women who were in jail for a reason. She said, but we struck up a friendship. And for a week and a half, we prayed for our children. We prayed for each other. We held each other's hands. I went, you had church in jail. She said, yeah. I said, that is bloody awesome. <laughs> That's what we want to hear, right? When the enemy takes something for bad, and God takes and says no, and he changes it into something glorious like that, where she was able to see God's hand in where she was. She missed her kids horribly. She missed everything about what her regular life was horribly. But she and went through some stupid, crazy, nasty stuff in the process just because of lack of compassion on the police force, to be honest. You know, I mean, you're being transferred from one sheriff's department to another. It's not like you're being transferred to state departments and things like that. So you're dealing with you're dealing with issues of lack of manpower and you know all different types of things that the sheriff's departments across our state go through. It's not necessarily all their fault, but it still puts a person in a very awkward and unprecedented position that nobody should ever be in. I mean, this woman should have been allowed out on a light bond, you know, enforced, told to go back to doing what she was doing, take care of your kids. And they kept her in jail for two weeks. It's just ludicrous. You know, when there's other people running around this state that probably deserve to be in jail a whole lot longer than two weeks, but they're not. You know, so it's it's a strange thing. Anyways, it's just part of part of the glory of what God did this week, you know, in, 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 in um, saying I'm not going to allow this to be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to vindicate my people. I'm going to turn this into a good thing. 
like John's healing. Yeah, nobody came over and said, Thus saith the Lord, be healed in the name of Jesus. I renounce the spirit of pharmacia. No, it was just, uh, John's not feeling good, God. Can you please touch him? And boom, he did it, right? I mean, it's one of the things I love about Jack and Kay is that they don't believe in, uh, you know, there's a lot of scripture out there about what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. And uh, being able to Being able to deal with spiritual matters without it becoming um, a drama fest or a soap opera, because it is our regular everyday life. It's what we're supposed to do. You got a demon? I'll take care of that for you. You need prayer? I'll pray. It should be normal. It shouldn't be dramatic. It doesn't have to be this. You know, the glory and the drama goes to God and His presence and who He is. That's where it goes to, as an evangelistic thing, as a witness and a testament to the glory of who he is. But on our part, it should just be every day. It should be commonplace. Um, That was kind of off topic, but not really. Um, So this week I was sitting there, and Mike had asked me last week, he said, did you hear that before? And I said, no, I... Thursday, Friday, that's my process. I just listen to God and say, what are you going to do? Well, Thursday, Friday went this week, Mike, and I had nothing. I even went to Dana and I said, well, maybe Dana's got something. I said, you got something for Sunday? Nope. So I'm just sitting there waiting. Saturday morning comes, I'm having my coffee. And as per my ritual, I have two or three YouTube channels that I watch all the time. And they're mostly family channels, homesteading type things that I just love that. I've always loved it. And so I'm listening to this one. I'm going to give them a shout out. It's called Tiny Shiny Homestead. Has anybody's ever listened to Tiny Shiny Homestead? You probably should. They're, they're just awesome. It's a younger couple. They're in their late 30s, early 40s. They're, they're, they've got teenage kids. Um, and they bought a little chunk of land out in Arizona. And they're building a homestead. They, the reason they call it Tiny Shiny Homestead is because the first thing they did is they renovated an Airstream trailer almost 10 years ago and hit the road with their kids to show them America in this Airstream trailer. And uh, now they've got a piece of land and they're building this, this homestead on this piece of land. So anyway, uh, long story short, uh, the, the, um, the two lead people, uh, the parents, um, are both born-again Christians she was actually sent to Bible school when she was young because she was rebellious. So she was sent as discipline, where she met her husband, who was a Christian rock and roll singer, right? <laughs> Which did not go over well with her parents. But, you know, as, as girls and boys do of that age, oh, my parents don't like it, I love him. I'm going to marry him. <laughs> so anyway, sometimes she says things that are um, colorful, but not crude, but just they allude to sexual things between her and her husband. And it's not over the top, and it's not overbearing or crude, but it's just, it makes you giggle. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching her do this on Saturday morning, and I hear the voice of the Lord say, that's exactly how I built her, Sean. I said, that is awesome, Lord. And he said, yeah, her parents had a hard time with it, but it is awesome because it's how I built her. And I went, hmm, Interesting. And then all of a sudden I got a download for today. You know, um, 
my grandmother said when she was passing away, she called me into the room, and I was 32 at the time when she passed, and she said to me, I don't think we fully know who we are until we come into our 40s. Just a statement out of the blue. And I'm thinking, oh, Grandma, okay, you're so cute. I'm 32, I know what I'm talking about. Right? Well, she was right. I had no clue who I was until I was in my 40s. So I don't understand how these people can change who they are when they're in their teens, you know, when their brains aren't fully developed yet or things like that. I mean, that's just beyond me. Um, I guess that's why I'm an old fart and they're young and they know everything, right? That's the way it works in every generation and every, <laughs> it's always the same thing, right? Um, but one of the things God was telling me is, is we are who we are from the date of birth, from birth. We, we are who God made us to be from the moment of conception. It's the fullness therein. A friend of mine had a scripture, and I looked for it and looked for it. I could not find it. I thought I knew where it was. Um, and some people will say that it's looking towards things like astrology and stuff. It's not. That's not what this is about. Um, <clears throat> but there is a scripture that talks about um, an individual being created under a star pattern and that the heavens declared the glory of the birth. And I thought it was prophetic of Christ, but it wasn't. It's something else, and so I'm still looking for it. But what it basically means is, is that God has created the heavens to create certain magnetic and other poles on the earth so that at every split second, on every region and area of this planet, that gravitational pull and movement and energy is different than it was a split second before. So that means you can have two people that give birth to children in the same room, but I personally believe God developed this beautiful heaven above us to directly influence that situation. Um, and that individuals then are created with unique personalities, not only because God breathed it into them, but because the heavens above also play a role in the birthing of that individual. I mean, we know that as a fact. We know, I mean, anybody who's, you've had kids, and Dana has not, but you've had children, and anybody who's had children understands that you watch women go into pregnancy or into, into labor pains on a full moon. And they'll go, people will look at you and go, come on! No, it's true. The gravitational pull, the water in, inside of a woman, the, 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 the overall creative function that God put into a woman's body responds directly, you know, to the universe around us. God also says, he says, we should look to the stars, the moons, and the heavens for signs. This is not astrology. This is the reality of the kingdom that we live in. Yeah, yeah. It was a beautiful full moon the other night. Oh my gosh, was it gorgeous. Kids so, also get dysregulated. People have more mental health crises. Oh yeah. ERs get full. On full moons. Full moon. Oh yeah. Cops will tell you anytime you talk to a so police I, officer. You cannot convince me that there's not something going on in the atmosphere and like because the... It, it, oh. Well, that part of it is still my It does. 
Well, that's another thing. And I was going to go into that, but I chose not to this week. But that is another thing, Mike. You know, I mean, God said that in the end days, he would accelerate the time. And there's reports of that all over the world of, of time, relative time, where people know that it's been accelerated. You know, not only that, but the scientists that have actually clocked time are saying that there's milliseconds missing that they can't put together. And I'm not talking about over a year. I'm talking within 30 days where there's milliseconds missing. And they're going, we don't understand how this is happening. Well, that's God. You know, that's a, that's a physical manifestation of the Word of God. And now, I believe there's a spiritual side to that as well. That will happen as the time grows, as the time grows nearer. But that's getting off on another topic. But you're right. It absolutely is. So why is it important that we know who we are from birth? What's the reality of that? If God created us from birth to be a certain person and a certain thing, right? Can I pick on you for a second, Ronnie? Okay. Ronnie's got an amazing baritone voice. Amazing voice. I used to sing with a gentleman in a quartet that had the same kind of voice as him. I would do the tenor, he'd do the baritone, and it was fun because it just that power comes out, you know? Accents all those little pieces that you want to you wanna have accented when you're singing that old four-time four-part uh, harmony gospel. You know, it's, it's awesome. I love it. God created that man to have that voice from birth. Now, he may not have had it from birth. He may not have had it in his teens. He may not have had it in his 20s. But he has it now, and God created him to have that voice. That's the reality of it. And there's other giftings in this room. I could go around the entire room, and we all have giftings. My wife has amazing giftings when it comes to speaking spiritual manifestations and truths. She has amazing giftings when it comes to things like identification of spiritual entities. Amazing. I mean, I don't even know why I question at times. <laughs> it's just habit. Um, but but this, these are the gifts and callings, right, that we all have, that God has given us from birth. Okay? I mean, the Lord says really, really clearly, um, that he knew us in the womb before we were born. He knew us. In order to know us, we have to be somebody. So we are who we are. The reason that's so important now is because this world would believe or make us believe that we can change who we are. And the reason people want to change who they are is because they're dissatisfied with who they are. And the reason they're dissatisfied with who they are is because they don't know Christ. And they look at that and they say, that's just religion. Yep, if you accept it from a religious point of view and a religious construct, it is just religion. But if you allow Christ and his personal presence, his spirit, come into your life, it becomes a creative miracle inside you. And it's no longer a religion. It then becomes a reality. And so when the world is trying to change who we've been born to be, whether that is through gender, species, People are trying to be puppy dogs and cats and all kinds of crazy crap. You know, and people, other people on the other side are ridiculing that and they're calling it, and they're calling it uh, mental illness. 
And some of it, let's be candid, some of it is mental illness. Some of it is spiritual oppression. I would say probably the majority of it is spiritual oppression. And as this manifests further and further, that's one of the reasons why we're going to be called to just deliver people. And again, it should not be a great deal. <coughs> it will come down to the point where we'll just be walking down the street and walk by somebody and say, in Jesus' name, get out of that person. And it'll happen. <coughs> it's... Um, <coughs> Oh, it is happening, absolutely. But I believe it's going to happen even more proficiently. I believe that we're going to see we're going to see that generation do these types of things electronically. We're going to see kids talking to people on places like I hate TikTok. I hate TikTok with a passion. I do for a lot of reasons. What it does to your brain, first and foremost, not so much that it's a Chinese tool, but what it actually that type of watching of videos does to your brain. Um, but. Having said that, that's my personal opinion. <laughs> um, the generation that we have around us now today is engulfed in that. And God will use it. He absolutely will use it. It was wonderful. Laura, you know, had a point of, of discussion with me at the end of the service last week, and it was so relevant because God will use it. I mean, we were told time and time again that rock music was of the devil, you know, but God used it over and over and over again. Right? I mean, I had a rock band in the early 80s, and we met three times, got up and performed once. The kids went wild. Everybody thought it was absolutely fantastic. They were amazed by what, the gifts that we had, and we were humbled by what happened, and then the church shut us down. It's of the devil. But thank God that there were others and that they listened. And now we have this spectrum of music that's actually music, not just four, four words and a couple chords. <laughs> you know. So we are who we are born to be. Um, we can't change who we are. We can change the situations around who we are. And that's where people get confused. People believe that the situation they're in is something that is who they are. Rusty and I had a conversation a few weeks back where I said to him, I used to identify as a millwright. Someone would ask me, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a millwright. I wouldn't say I work as a millwright. I wouldn't say I work as an industrial mechanic because I'm certified as both. I would say I'm a millwright. And I took personal pride, personal reward, and personal stance on the fact that I was a journeyman millwright. And God had to correct me because I had too much pride. And he took that away from me. He said, you're no longer a journeyman millwright. I said, but I am, Lord. And he removed it. He wouldn't allow me to do it anymore. Over a period of time. I believed I was born to be a millwright. And in a sense, I was born to have that job. It's very satisfying to me to do that job. But that's not who I am. It doesn't make up who Sean is. It satisfies a portion of who I am. But it does not make up who I am. In the end, that's right. Um, the reason it's important, though, is because our reward lies in self-realization and the recreation of who he intended us to be. When I say that, I'm not using self-realization in the way that the New Age community does. I'm saying... I know that I am a creation in Christ, and I realize that I have 
all of the attributes that I need to have to be a successful creation in Christ. And then I have to wait. Because the Lord talks to us about tempering. He talks to us about uh, refining. And, you know, he speaks, to, he speaks to us through experiences that allow us to gain the full realization of who we are over time. Um, when we look at some of the characters that most people would have called unredeemable, in the Word of God, it's hard sometimes to believe that. There's a book called, um, oh, what's the name of it now? It's about the 12 apostles. Oh, it's called Losers Like Us. And I've got to be honest, I haven't read a whole bunch of it, but I did start it. I have it. I own it. I started it. It's really good. It's really good to take a real perspective as to who the apostles actually were, right? And it's all about the apostles, but it's how they were losers. They were not winners. They were not overly successful. They were losers. If you look at Philip, um, Philip's character, uh, he's sitting under, uh, you know, um, or sorry, Nathaniel, he's sitting under a tree uh, and he's pondering. That's all he's doing. He's sitting there and he's pondering. He's considering the things of God. When Philip gets saved, and they come to Nathaniel and say, hey, we've just met the man who's the Messiah. And he's like, oh, whatever. It's Tuesday, right? Yeah, who is it this week? Because you have to understand, in Roman times, there were many, many people that stood up and said, I'm he. And would try and raise a physical rebellion against the Romans, right? So he's like, I don't think so. This is, you know. And so, when Jesus went to Galilee... And Philip accepted him. Uh, they found Nathan. And uh, Philip said to him, We have found him of whom Moses wrote in the law, and the prophets also wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good be from Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, Here is truly an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel said, How do you know me? He recognized that Jesus knew him. He knew him. And I'll get into it in a minute, but there was no rebuff. Jesus did not then say, Yes, I know you, Nathaniel, but you should really temper that attitude that you have. You know, he didn't do what the typical church does today. You should really bring that down a couple notches because you're offending people. You need to calm your voice down, talk a little bit more. No. He didn't. He accepted Nathaniel for who he was. Um, when we talk about Paul, you look at uh, anything in Acts 26 is my favorite area uh, because he's talking to King Agrippa. And he says, you know, from a young age, I was righteous. From, from a, a, this time period, I have always followed the edicts of God. I have, and he goes through the whole thing. And yet at the same time, he turns and he says, and in that same righteousness and zeal, I have professed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have declared that he is. We have seen healings. We have seen this. We have seen that. And Agrippa in the end says, there's nothing to persecute this man for 
But Paul took and showed in that statement his character that was originally developed by God that was being used for ill will against the people of Christ. When the realization came who the Christians were and who Jesus was, he took that same thing and he flipped it over and he had that same disrespect now for the authorities that he had for the Christians before. But it was the same character. Paul was still Paul. Paul was not an individual who changed. He was still bold. He was still knowledgeable. He could still recite the lineage of Christ up one side, down the other. You know, he was still, he was still, uh, although he was not a Sadducee or a Pharisee anymore, he was still a man that was firmly planted in the Word of God and was able to bring the grace of God into them. Peter was the same way. If you look at Peter, Peter, here's Peter. Peter is, I think most people relate to Peter. I know I do. Peter's a flip-flopper. Peter, he truly is a fisherman. He flip-flops around. I mean, he, one minute he is totally declaring that you are Christ. You know, you get out of the boat and you're walking out of the boat and because he filled your boat up with fish, he declares that he is the Christ. He just said, to the left. I mean, who knows? Maybe Jesus had a better perspective and just saw the feast. You know how the, the white, uh, white bass were coming into the white bass season? How they'll kind of swell on the water? Maybe Jesus just saw that. Who knows? But no, Peter declared that he was Christ through the Spirit of God. But at the same time, slices off the ear of a servant. And at the same time, declares that he'll never leave him. But at the same time, sleeps in the garden while Christ goes through this horrible torment of blood. And at the same time, denies Jesus' existence. And yet comes back. He's a flip-flopper. He's back and forth, and he's back and forth, and he's back and forth. But what does that show? Peter was compassionate. That's what it shows. He had a heart that wanted to serve people. But that heart had no place to go. And so it flip-flopped. It didn't have a focus. It didn't have an anchor. It didn't have solidity. When, when Jesus turned around and said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church, that was a foundational spiritual statement. It set an anchor in Peter to be the compassionate leader that he was intended to be from that day forward. And the development started from there. Now the crucifixion still had to happen. The deception still had to happen. Everything still had to happen. But Peter was who he was. Peter was a man who had compassion a man who had ideals. Jesus just had to take and focus them. And what did he do? Simon, I now call you Peter, for on this rock I will build my church. And there's questions as to whether or not he was actually, God was actually talking about Peter being a rock because it gets into the whole Catholicism thing. I'm not going to go there. The reality is, he made a declaration, he changed Peter's name, he anchored him foundationally to what God had desired for Peter from day one. Anchored. 
So what's the benefit of this? So if we, if we, first of all, if we, if we know that we have a purpose, if we know that God has created us, what is the, what, what is it that we're called to? Well, that's an adventure you have to take on your own, each and every individual that hears this message. This isn't something that I can't, I can't look at Rusty and say, blah, 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 blah. I mean, God may, you know, we've talked about this, right? God may give us insight as to certain characteristics or giftings, but that doesn't mean I know who this man is. You know, I mean, this is, this is, this is something that is only fathomable by Christ. You know, he knows what he's developed in each and every one of us. I was blessed this morning when I came in and I said, hey, Mike, how are you doing? He says, I have a word for you. He gave me a word of encouragement. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. I needed to hear a word of encouragement this morning. I wasn't in a bad way. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't, but it was wonderful to hear that. It was a benefit to me to hear that Mike had heard from the Lord and that the Lord had given him a word specifically to encourage me. It's a wonderful thing. I enjoy that. That's a, that's a blessing to me. And it's who God created Mike to be. You know, um, we sometimes get caught up in what we can do as opposed to who we are. And I'm going to say this. This is a little off topic, but I, 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 being a man who suffers with back issues, and hopefully one day I'll come to a place of fulfillment and healing, and I don't suffer with back issues anymore, but if that's not God's plan, so be it. Um, I know what it is to have days when I can't walk. Daniel will tell you, you guys don't see it. But there are days when I'm laid out for three days, and it's more often than I would like to say, where I cannot walk, I can't get up. And I'm just, it is what it is. And I'll just say to her, she'll say, how are you doing? And I said, stop and get some chicken, I can't move. Okay. <laughs> and she stops at Nichols on the way home, and she gets some fried chicken. <laughs> it, it just is what it is, right? That's the reality. Um, I think we have a greater purpose than what any of us can fathom. I really believe that, guys. I believe we have a purpose that is so far beyond what we can fathom. Um, the benefit to us, just as a part of the reality, okay, is one of the things that Christ said um, to Nathaniel. Jesus said to him, he said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And everybody usually stops there. He says, but Nathan answered him and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Not just the son of God, but the king of Israel. Two very different things, if you want to look it up. You're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending. Back and forth. There's a blessing waiting for when we fulfill or when we come into the fullness of what we're called and who we're called to be. That's why it's so important as individuals that we seek God individually. We need to take the time to individually seek God. I mean, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, two kids is, is uh, nine and 
two that aren't here is almost a dozen people here today and whoever's listening. It's important that all of us seek God to find our position and our place with Him as individuals and say, Lord, what part of my character do I need to get rid of? What part of my character do you want to enhance? Because I'll be honest with you, if you ask God to enhance the character that's His, the parts you have to get rid of usually just disappear. Okay? I mean, other than illicit sin that we all know if we're involved in sin, everybody knows when they're involved in sin, for the most part. Sometimes we're involved in secondary things that we don't even know we're involved in until it slaps us in the face. But... um, for the most part, if you're involved in sin, you know you're involved in sin, you know what to do, you take care of that. That's your personal thing. Um, but God will bring you into a place of gifting, calling, and benefit. That's what happened to Nathaniel. He saw God, he declared who he was, both positionally and spiritually. He came into the fullness of his calling as a disciple of Christ. And in that moment, Christ gave him benefit. Okay. The Lord says that if we humble ourselves in due time, he will raise you up into what you're called to be. So if you want one step to take in trying to find out who you are and what you're supposed to be in Christ, I would say humble yourself. If you have a place where you don't have humility in your life, Try and bring yourself into that place of humility. Humility is something that does not need to be forced on us. It doesn't. People think it's a dangerous prayer to say, for them, please make me humble. No, it's not a dangerous prayer. As a matter of fact, it's a great prayer because the first thing God will do is make us aware of where we're not humble. And then we have a choice. Either humble ourselves or, so it's the old adage, either fall on the rock or the rock will fall on you. <laughs> Right, everybody that you're four square, you know that one. That was one she used to say all the time. So we we have this greater purpose, and once we come into that place of humility, God can then raise us up into the fullness of the purpose that we have. And what is the purpose that we know that we have? We're called to heal the sick. We're called to raise the dead. We're called to cast out demons. We're called to fight spiritual battles in spiritual realms, and real battles in spiritual realms. Consider that. I want you to consider that. I don't want you to consider that from a Christian religious perspective of, it's Tuesday night, the elders are getting together, and we're going to have a prayer meeting, and everybody's bringing their sick into the building. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But that's not the reality of Christianity. It is definitely not the reality of the first century church. Ronnie's walking down the road at his place. Guy drives by in a truck, blows a tire. Ronnie goes over to help him fix his tire because that's who Ronnie is. He's going to go help him fix his tire. Guy blew his tire. Can I help you with something? Yeah, my tire blew. You got a spare? Yeah, well, let's get it on. Okay. And they're talking back and forth. Ronnie doesn't know him from Adam. He doesn't know Ronnie from Adam. And the next thing you know, he's praying for him. Now, this is just a make-believe scenario, but it happens. And the guy gets healed. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And the guy gets healed. Well, that's a wonderful thing. Something that's worthy of sharing, something worthy that's preaching from the, you know. 
And knowing Ronnie, if it was, and I don't know him well, but knowing what I know about Ronnie, if the guy was to get healed and it manifested right in front of him, Ronnie would also be preaching the gospel to him, making sure that he, you know, went through the proper process in order to accept Christ <laughs> and invite him to church because that's Ronnie, right? Right? Absolutely. And that's who he is. That's who God created him to be. That's why he has this wonderful church with the children back here. You know, uh, that's why he reaches out to this community on a continual basis. That's that evangelist that's in him that just cries out for the gospel of Christ to be preached. But that's the reality that we need to live in with these other things. We need to live in the same reality with healing the sick, casting out demons, fighting spiritual battles that are both spiritual and physical in a spiritual realm, and identifying ourselves as a person who is here and at the right hand of the Father at the same time and taking full authority with that authority. That's a huge authority. Okay? One of the first experiences I ever had as a Christian, I'd been saved for about a week. I was walking down the street with a friend of mine. And as I was walking down the street, Dana hates when I do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm walking down the street, and there's this woman walking towards me. She's a little bit bigger than Dana, and she was probably in her early to late 50s. And she's walking down the street, coming towards us. And all of a sudden she goes, what do you want from me, child of God? And then she, and she's going. And she has no idea that she's manifested. And I looked at this friend of mine and I said, what was that? And she goes, oh, that's just a demon. You'll get used to it. And to her, it was, it was old hat. It was nothing. To me, I was like, I need to go to the bathroom now or there's going to be a mess. <laughs> It freaked me out, right? But that's the reality of where we're supposed to live as Christians. Take care of it. Deal with it. Opportunity given again, and I have done since. I would have spoke to that thing and driven it up. No, I didn't at that point. I was too young. I had no clue, buddy. <laughs> I did not pray for her at that time. But she recognized the spirit that were in the two of us, yeah. Yeah, and whether she was speaking to me or the other person that was with me, she definitely recognized it. Um, so all these things are said so that we can live this life to the fullest, be completely satisfied, and not have to worry about the world is doing trying to change us. And we can stay anchored in Christ in the fullness of life in the completion of who we're called to be, knowing that we are destined to be the individual that God created us to be, right? Knowing that we are called to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to sp fight spiritual battles that nobody else even has a clue how to touch. When God says to you something like he did to me one time, and do not pray this lightly, please, when he says to you, I want you to pray against the spirit of Hezbollah. I was like, okay, Lord. Went to my wife, told her, she's like, are you sure? And I said, I am sure. Okay, well, we did. I'm going to leave it at that. It was a ride. But it was what God called us to do. So remember, we're in a reality right now that is a fragment. It's a glimpse a veiled view of what's real.
but we also live in a kingdom that's eternal and separate from this reality. If we keep that focus daily, if we live in that reality and be as creative and be as constructive and productive in the callings of Christ, in everything that God created us to be, we will be victors. We will come out on the other side, not just saying, well, I had a good life and I believed in Christ. No. We'll come out on the other side where people are at our service when we pass away. And they'll say, I was healed when Sean prayed for me on a Tuesday. I had a spirit driven out of me when Rusty was hunting with me out in the middle of the bush and I had no idea what was going on. I had a this and I had a that. And one day I was driving down the road and I almost had a car crash. I mean, it was really bad. And the Lord said to me, you need to go to this church and give thanks. And I found out there was three people praying for a lady that almost had a car crash that day. These are the things that are normal. They're normal. And for us to function in the spiritual time that's coming, because we're about to see spiritual entities and things that we've never seen before coming, I'm telling you, we're going to get to that message. But it's coming. And we need to be set in what we know to be normal in Christ, not what the world thinks. And whatever that means, whatever sacrifices you have to make, whatever position you have to put yourself in in order to get you there, I'm encouraging you to do it. Those are the things I'm encouraging with today. And that's all I have to say about that. Is there anybody who wants to add to it, please? Yeah, go ahead, Laura. I can see she's itching. <laughs> so I think the thing, um, I totally agree. Um, like we're born, like God has that in us when we're born, right? Our worth is set when we're born. Like there's nothing, like you said, like there's nothing that we can do to have more worth or more value as us because God created us right and that's why we can't put our identity in the things that we do or the things that we have all of that can be given and taken away as Ronnie said like all of that is it's here today gone tomorrow but it has nothing to do with our identity our worth our value and even how and if and how often God uses us has nothing to do with our worth or our value or who we are in him, right? Because he could just choose to have us do that once in somebody's life and never do it again. But I think a lot of Christians are, well, if I'm not saving people every other week or every week, then there's something wrong with me and God's not using me. And so just remembering our foundation, our worth, our identity, how God chooses or chooses not to use us or how he made us has nothing to do with our worth or value. That's set at birth. That's right. And we also live in this world and when we're saved, we are delivered and we have to do the work, right? He does refine us, and we do go through a refining, but we also have to make so sure that we're not creating as our identity, well, I'm just this way, or I've always been this way. And that's why we're born again, and right. then, we're, then we're given the edict to work out our own salvation. Right, but I think that we, God did create us a certain way, yes. and we need to not speak those things and we need to be allowed to be refined 
and to have our minds renewed, right? And so when we hold on to these things as, well, this is just who I am. We have to really be sure that that's rooted and grounded in the truth because so much of the time we're speaking lies to ourselves and believing lies and we've convinced ourselves that it's truth. And this is as believers, right? Because so many believers aren't actually walking in who God says that they are and who the character that God told us is ours to have as our inheritance. Let me ask you a question based on your experience and what you do for a living. So how much of that do you believe comes from conditioning when we're children? I think that it's um, both. It's nature and it's nurture. I think that some were bent towards struggles, right? right? Just as we're born in our genetic makeup and there's stuff that is in us that with trauma gets turned on. Without trauma, it wouldn't get turned on. So I believe in all of that. And I can believe, I believe it can get turned off. Like the epigenetics and all of that stuff, right? Um, and there's nurture. Like how we're raised, what we're told, what people speak over us matters a lot. Do you think that transfers into our, our church walk? Not necessarily our Christian walk, but our church walk? Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of damage been done over what people have been spoken over in churches. (laughs) Right? Because that holds more weight. And I think that's why in the Bible the Lord is like, if you cause one of mine to stumble, like, right? That's a big, big deal because there's more authority there. Right? But it's also our job, right? Yes, there's stuff that happens in our childhood. Yes, there's all kinds of like genetic propensity towards addiction. But that does not take away from our ability to respond and our responsibility with whatever car that we're dealt to do the work that God wants to do in us. But we have to do it. It's not just going to be like, okay, God, like just make it happen. He has us be a part of the process, right? He can show us the truth, but if we don't choose to tell ourselves the truth, right, and not listen to the old stories, if we don't choose to do the hard work of thinking new thoughts... Would that be under renewing of the mind? Exactly. (laughs) But I think a lot of Christians are out there and just think, oh, it's just going to happen, and if it doesn't happen, then God doesn't love me. No. You've got to choose to renew your mind with the word. You've got to choose to speak the word over you. And you've got to choose to live it out to rewire your brain, right? Like you've got to create those new neural pathways. It's not, and God does do the miraculous where he just heals and it's taken away. You know, Jack tells a story about when he stopped smoking. Like the first time God took it away, he started smoking again. And then he had to work out the walk of like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so in every step, God does it different for every single one of us, right? Of how we're going to walk out building that character of Christ in us and becoming the fullness of what he created from the beginning, right? But to get there, we've got to be a part of the process. That's right. And we've got to do the work. And, and sometimes it's a lot easier than we think. 
it can be if you do it consistency. Consistency, and I heard a great word is persistency and consistency, right? Like we have to have the persistence, the tenacity, the perseverance to keep doing it and that consistency over time. And we'll underestimate how quickly it can change if we do it that way. Because we'll think, oh, it'll happen in five or 10 years. Well, it could happen in 20 days if we like fully give it our all and we just never know when it's going to change. No, they chose that for themselves. Yeah, they went around that mountain how many times? Same mountain, same path, over and over and over again. Yeah. There was a reason God put that out like that. We no. don't have to. That's not a picture we have to follow. One of the greatest quotes I've ever heard for me, my own personal life, your attitude will determine your altitude. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. And it truly does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you focusing? How to right. Win Friends and Influence People is a great book. That's where that came from. Yeah. <laughs> well, Right. Yeah. But it's constant renewing. Like we are being filled. We are being renewed. Laura, I think that's really important what you said. We need to stop there for a second. It is constant renewing. This is a working out of our salvation. This is taking the tools. It's one of the things when I went through deliverance the very first time and we were taught to do deliverance afterwards. One of the things I profess to people who are going through deliverance or they're about to go through deliverance is this will not only set you free, but it'll give you the tools to keep you free. Right. We're not just going to give you a fish. We're going to give you a fish while we teach you to fish. Right. And you're going to be free. Right, but you've right. got to choose to go fishing. And it's continual, and you have to make the choice. That's right. If you choose to back away from that later, you're going to lose. Right, or you're going to be that nice, nice empty space that you didn't do anything to fill with the tools, yep. and then it's way worse when they all come back. That's they right. brought friends. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and right. so that's where... It's not passive. None of what we're doing in this life is passive. It's all active. And that's where we seek the Lord every day. Okay, what steps am I taking today? What thoughts do I need to think today so that we can have that? Whatever God wants to do in us is just the norm, not right? Not to take away from that, but can I make a practical example that happened to me mm-hmm. this week? So sure. I had something really interesting happen to me this week. Um, I had, and I guess you'd call it a miracle. Uh, we've been on our land for almost five years. Uh, four years? Sorry, four years, right? Four years, four years. We've been in Oklahoma for five years. Um, and as we've been on this land, living in our motorhome, uh, and it is not a big fancy A-class slide-out motorhome, it's an old C motorhome. Right? I mean, it's in good shape, but it's still an old motorhome. And uh, we've been, one of, our, one of our biggest things Dan and I are saying is, God, can we please get out of this motorhome? It's time to move out of this motorhome. She had a vision of another cat, which would mean two dogs and two cats. And then I met a dog this week that I want to adopt with everything in me because he's the sweetest dog I've ever met in my life. And that'd be three dogs and two cats living in a motorhome with two adults. <clears throat> anyway... Um, it's bad enough with two dogs and one cat, let alone, okay? So having said all that, we've been asking God, please, we really need a house. We don't know how you're going to do this, what you're going to do. we got other things we need to do, like my immigration papers and, and 
all that stuff and how that's going to come about. We really need a house. We just need some place where we can spread our feet out a little bit, you know, where I'm not... Well, I appreciate that, and I will accept that prayer. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, we're, we want to be on that land and build a house. And whether we move a house onto that land or whether we build a house, that's totally up to the Lord. I'm still completely open to it. But the interesting thing that happened this week is I, I design houses. I've been designing houses since I was 12 years old. It transferred into my construction life and into my management life years later, designing spaces and, and, and doing 3D renderings and all the other stuff. I love doing it. It's a passion to me. Um, but... I had designed a house, and we had designed it, redesigned it. I'd take it to Dana and say, what do you think? She's, well, I'd love to have this and this and this. And I'd say, okay, so we'd redesign it some more, and I'd bring it to her, and back and forth, and back and forth. And then we moved on to this land, and the land wasn't quite big enough, so we had to redesign it again to fit the land. And when it was all said and done, I looked at this house, and went, that's it. And I showed it to Dana, and she said, that's it. I said, perfect. And then one day a few weeks back, I was sitting there, a few months back now, pardon my French, but I went, holy crap, that's my grandma Seagate's house. It's just, it's twisted counterclockwise, but it's my grandma's house with a hallway in a different place. And a, Isn't that nifty that all these years, and then we develop a house, and it comes back to being a house that I lived in. And found solace in, and found peace in, and found safety in when I was young. Well, so I'm I'm thrilled by that. And this is months ago. <laughs> now to build a house, is any builders in here? Anybody build a house? The details of building a house are crazy. It looks simple, but it's not. I mean, just just the layers of a wall, the different things you have to do in order preserve what you're building so that it stays built. It's not like building a shed. It's a completely different ball of wax. There's a lot of detail. And yes, you can do it without plans, but you better know what you're doing because you can miss one thing and mess the whole thing up. I'm on the phone with my mom this week. And she says to me, hey, you're never going to guess what I found. I don't even know where they came from. And I, her words. And I said, okay. And then I told my sister this story later, and she said, she found what? And I said, right. She says, I've never seen those before. I said, neither have I. My mom says, I found the plans to your grandma Seagate's house when they built it in 1952. Hmm. Complete construction blueprints. Cut sheets, material sheets, dimensional. And I went, I got so excited. She was going to give it to my second cousin, who's our official family historian. I said, no, 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 no. I said, my birthday's coming. You send that to me as my birthday. I said, I've never begged anything from you my whole life. I am begging you. Send me these plans, right? And so she agreed. She's sending them down, and I am so thrilled. Well, at that moment, I really felt like there was a release, that something spiritually, dimensionally, dynamically was released, because we've been praying for the fulfillment of a house. One of the prayers we've been praying is, Lord, if we're missing it, and you need to show us what we need as a house, it's going to fulfill us and fulfill what you called us to do, then you show us. If we're totally out, out to lunch, if we need to be in a different place, and this is just a temporary place, and we're trying to make it permanent, if we're missing it somehow, because understand this, 
You can be someplace in this world and it feels like it's forever and permanent. But God gives you that because that's the placing he wants you to feel that. That's his eternal placement of you where you are now. That doesn't mean you're going to be there for your whole life. Mm -hmm. It means on Thursday or five years from now, God could say, it's time for you to move to here. Mm -hmm. And that might be down the block. It might be five miles away. It might be across the country or into another country. But you've got to be open to that. And that's what happened with this house plan. It blew my mind. I mean, I all of a sudden, reality came, and there's all kinds of things connected to that. Some of them I shared with Dana, but it, it really did feel like a dimensional key had been unlocked. Mm -hmm. And now we're set on the path, you know. Uh, and the kicker is that that house is, I, I, have to, I have to do minor modifications to that plan, if I remember it right. And they're all dimensional inward, not outward. So I don't have to worry about engineering because by moving a house plan smaller, not larger, you're actually just going to have a house that's a little over-engineered, not under. And so you don't have to worry about it. So I am thrilled to pieces, but again, that goes to what you were saying, right? About, we don't know. Mm -hmm. There's a developmental thing that happens in us with this whole process. Be excited. You know, when, when, when I pick up the word, every day I'll pick up the word, um, or I'll try to, or I'll be influenced by something I hear that's based on the word. But whenever I pick up the word, I always think to myself, I need to read more of this. Not because I'm feeling convicted or guilty. It's because when I pick up the word, my brain relaxes, my spirit rejoices, and I come into a place of peace with Christ. That is where I want to live 24-7. Mm -hmm. And yet, I still turn YouTube on and sit there flipping through shorts that are funny to watch for an hour and a half and go, an hour and a half went by. And she'll go, how can you do that? And I look at her and I'll say, how do you play Candy Crush for an hour? Because <laughs> <laughs> we all have our things, right? Instead of spending time in the Word and getting closer to God. But we're coming to a place in this time People, I'm challenging you. We're coming to a place in this world where those things are going to have to step aside unless they're for the kingdom of Christ. Right? Mm -hmm. My attitude was adjusted by the lady with the mic because you were right. God will use computers. God will use phones and laptops and VRs, headsets, and all the things that are new to us old farts. Okay? He's going to use them. But if it's a distraction to you, he's also going to tell you to put it down. Absolutely. Obey. Humility and obedience. Yeah, because what works in one season isn't going to be what he asks us to do in another season. Right. Because he might ask us not to do social media for a whole season. Yeah. And then in another season, he's like, I want you to utilize it to the nth degree to get, like, to do whatever. You know, so you just don't know and that's why you can't lock into well I'm not anybody that uses tech well what if like like you don't want to speak that over yourself because who knows what God wants to do through you and in you and around you so you can't lock in speak those identities over yourself because that's not what God said that's right and don't let other people no definitely don't let other people 
Yeah. Exactly. I was hoping my wife had something to say, but she went to the bathroom because I probably talked too long. When we get in the Jeep, she's going to say, I had something to say, but she talked too long. That's okay. <laughs> it happens more mm -hmm. than it should. Um, Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Um, does anybody else have anything to share with you? Good, or good? I just would like for us to pray for Atlanta and for David Reader. Yeah. For Gary Crawley. Jimmy Crowell, I've got three different friends that are going through. Well, I've got many friends. One well, glad. That's good. Lifted up in prayer. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and Kay as well, still, you know, and Jack for strength to continue yeah. to do and supporting yeah. her. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, um, and anybody else in our in our body that's going through anything that they may not be fully aware of that they're going through as of yet, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to pray for you. He's been going through a lot of cough issues and getting up and down the line. I pray he's going to take all the cough. He's coughing a lot? Oh, drainage and stuff with the allergies. Yeah. He's been about it for almost three weeks. You tell him if he gets to the drugstore, if he's not responsive to your prayer for healing when you get home, he gets to the drugstore and gets himself some stuff called serapeptase. It's an enzyme. It'll take care of that cough. It just gets rid of that, that reaction to cough. And it's completely natural. Totally natural. So, I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. Um, we should pray. I wanted to ask you real quick. This is off topic. You can either turn it on or turn it off. It doesn't matter, Joe. So, Ronnie, if you want to pray... We want to make sure and pray for Mike as well and his son. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll pray for Linda. Mm -hmm. I remembered Linda. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. So thankful, Lord God, for your love, your mercy, and your grace upon us. We thank you, Lord. And when we call upon you, you hear us, Father. Yes, Lord. You hear us and you answer. Mm -hmm. So, Father, I just speak the name of Jesus over. My brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, over Linda. Yes. Over David Reeder, over Gary Crawley, over Emmy Crowell, over Miss Kay and Jack. And Lord, you know their every needs. You know the needs of Mike and of Michael, my nephew, my brother. Lord, these are all your children. Mm -hmm. Father, you promise that when two or three come together in agreement, that it will be done. Mm -hmm. Not that it would be, but it will. It has been, Lord. Yeah. It's past tense. You've already healed, Lord. Through your son Jesus Christ, who gave it all for us. You said by his stripe we were healed. So we just believe you for it. And we've been talking today, Lord. We know these things will just be because you have said it. Not because of anything we've done but because of your wonderful, awesome love over us, Father God. So we speak healing in every way, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, upon everyone in this building, Father God, all our brothers and sisters, the ones that are here and the ones that are not here today, Father. We lift them up to you, and we just give you thanks and praise and glory and honor for all your goodness upon us, for all your love. We thank you for everything. Mm -hmm. Jesus.
Anyone else? Want to add to that? That was a good prayer. Let's do our iconic decoration. Oh, hang on. She's back. You got anything to share? No? Okay. We're good. <laughs> I get to ride home peacefully. <laughs> I make fun. I make fun. But let me tell you this. My wife is not one to have people or me. So I'm blessed. Don't worry about it. Um, to have given back to the Lord a portion of what he has given us, we declare that he teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. The Lord gives us power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. We bless Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. As he blesses us, his way becomes known on the earth and his salvation among all nations. Lord, we are believing you for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, debts paid off and transfer of wealth, prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil and our coffers with gold, expenses decreased, blessings increased, heavens open, earth invaded, signs, wonders and miracles and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for more than enough so we can give into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, and see Jesus get his full reward.